Welcome to Bay Books Podcast. I'm April Berry. And I'm Daisy Ray. This is the podcast where new authors bear all for their readers. Together, we're going to be finding our next favourite author. Fantastic. Hello and welcome to Jeanette Taylor Ford's episode of the Bear Books Podcast. She's written a series of books called Riverview Series and this is the fourth one in that series of books. And it's all about a young woman who's found strangled in a camper van and her 12-year-old son goes missing. So Detective Inspector Cork and Detective Sergeant Grant have a dual problem on their hands. And what does this murder have to do with the fatal stabbing of a young man in Portsmouth? several years before and how on earth are the residents of Sutton on Wye involved? Sounds so exciting doesn't it? It is it's really good I I was enthralled I actually read it in one day I picked it up in the morning and just carried on reading it throughout the whole of the day didn't put it down and and it was very Moorish it was one of the book one of those books I didn't actually want to put down I wasted a whole day well I didn't waste a whole day but I didn't (laughs) get anything else done let's put it that way. (laughs) That's not wasted that's the art of relaxing, no, looking after yourself. <laughs> is that something that, that other people do? Yeah, yeah. Putting your feet up yeah, and reading the book all day. Joy. Yeah. Really enjoyed the book and it was like not doing anything else. I just read the whole thing in the one day. I tell you what, what's really good. If you haven't read this book yet, read it after you've listened to Jeanette. Because once you've listened to Jeanette, it will give a whole new slant to the actual book itself. It just makes it so much more fun. I absolutely look on it with completely different eyes since we've spoken to Jeanette herself. You know, to make sure that the podcast goes out on time, we do actually pre-record all the interviews with the authors. And Jeanette was so funny. So if, if you do read it and you're <laughs> unsure how to read the dialects in your head from the characters in Jeanette's book, she's just going to tell you now how to do it. Um, I was saying to April earlier, you've got a couple, Madge and Len, and they say like, and it's a very modern thing for people to do that they say like halfway through sentences like, and you've got a character that does that. And I love the way you've got little quirks in the different characters. So there's, you don't have a way that you speak for each person. Each person's speech is different, which is really nice. It's funny you should say that actually, because I got told off, I got told off for doing that by somebody who lives in Hereford. And she said, we don't talk like that. But I thought back, because I used to live there in the middle of the land that belonged to a nursery, the original Wyvale nursery. And nearly all the blokes who worked on that nursery said like, we moved from Cromer, which is where I originate from. And that summer in Hereford, I was just hit by hay fever so bad. And I didn't know what to do. (laughs) I'd never suffered from hay fever before. And one day this knock came at the door and there stood one of the blokes from the nursery. And he had this bottle of tablets in his hand. And he said, he said, I heard you suffer. You're suffering from hay fever like. And I said, oh, yes. He said, oh, I brought you something They'll help you like you take one in the morning like and you take one at dinner time like and you take well my mum my mum suddenly exploded behind me and it took all of my anything that I had to stop me from happening as well because it just struck me oh and so it became a family joke after that and you take one in the morning like and you take one at dinner time like 
And so I, I wanted Madge and Len to be real countryfied Herefordians. So that's why I made them stick I love it. I love that story too. This is my take on Jealousy's Murder by Jeanette Taylor Ford. I think it's a nice, simple, easy read. And it reminded me a bit of a blend of Midsummer meets Cabot Cove's wholesome characters. Without getting bogged down in wordy descriptions, this book is ideal holiday reading. Maybe sat on a lounger by a pool somewhere. A girl can dream, right? I thought using dialects was fun. And after listening to Jeanette impersonating the accents in her interview today, it was just genius. It gave me so much more insight into their quirky nature and a sense of fun, really. And even though this is a light read, it still has its emotive moments, particularly Charlie. I really felt for him. He'd not had an easy life. But that said, Jeanette gave him a sensible side that lets us warm to him. When it would have been so easy to write him as a bit of a tearaway, he was quite mature for his age, he loved scenery, he was nice to animals, and is the only 12-year-old I've ever known of that wanted to bath and get clean clothes on. It was a predictable outcome, both the title of the book and the relationship between Charlie's unfortunate parents switched on a big flashy neon sign pointing at the murderer of Stephen, and I guess Molly's murderer based on handsome. Not necessarily a bad thing, I hasten to add. We always knew who the murderer was in Colombo, and I for one was addicted to that. Sometimes an uncomplicated, easy read is exactly what is needed. So I will be reading more from Jeanette Taylor Ford. I have a feeling she'll be my go-to author on my next holiday if I ever get to lounge by a pool again. Hi Jeanette, uh, welcome to the Bear Books podcast. We'd love you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words, if you don't mind. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Very exciting. I was born and raised in Cromer in Norfolk and I also lived in Hereford for a long time. I worked with children just about all of my work in life. And when I got married, I raised six children of my own. When I finally finished having children and my youngest one was old enough, I went out and trained to be a teaching assistant, which took me three years, which I really enjoyed. I love working with children. I've got eight grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. And you have time to write. <laughs> I couldn't have written while I had my family at home. Mm. But I'm retired now. I've got all the time in the world to mess about on my computer. What inspired this style of writing in the book that we're reviewing today? The idea for the, this book, for Jealousy's Murder, came because I have this sudden picture of a little boy in a caravan in the middle of a field, all alone. And really that's how Jealousy is Murder grew it grew from that sudden scene that I had in my head and I was actually out somewhere with my husband and I I very quickly typed it down on a device that I had with me and I didn't know what the story was going to be but that's how that one started that's fascinating Jeanette that really 
I have got to confess that I read the wrong book for this podcast. <laughs> There's no comment. <laughs> yeah, no. You, know, you sent us two, but you sent us a complete book, Jealousy is Murder, but you also sent us a, a little snippet, I would say, a tantalising tidbit of one of your next books. Yes. And yes. I found that absolutely fascinating. That's not to say that I um, am not going to read the right book, because I obviously <laughs> will do. So you've actually got two books in the pipeline then, is that what you're telling us? I've got three because got I've got, three. I've got um, The Ghosts of Roseby Hall um, is the one that you started to read. Yeah, the, the, the wrong book I read, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've also got, at some point, I've got the third Robin book for children coming out. Right. And also I hope that the fifth book in the series after Jealousy is Murder will be coming out later on this year, probably sometime before Christmas. This book that you've read, uh, Jealousy is Murder, actually deals with quite some serious stuff. It deals with drugs, it deals with adultery, it deals with deception, all sorts of things that people can get into without actually wanting to get into it in the first place or or realizing where it's going to lead to yeah i guess people can really fall into a situation can't they yes they can do and also you they can pick up innocent victims along the way you know people like little charlie yes do you think Um, it's like relatable then so although bad things happen to people and they do fall into unfortunate circumstances or situations it's still like a relatable thing because we can all fall on hard times and do the wrong thing at times can't we yes but hopefully we wouldn't go as far as actually killing somebody in order to get out of it no <laughs> No, no, that's not well, this week and my husband has a wonderful hot compost you know that can actually, <laughs> <laughs> that can actually get rid of just about anything oh dear i think we better do a good review of this book april we're in danger (laughs) do you have like a a section that you would like to read so people can have a little tidbit of it well i'd quite like to read the the little bit about charlie okay charlie huffed on the roof window of the camper van and rubbed it with his hand ignoring the dirt on his palm He peered through the glass, his nose flattening against it. He could barely make out the shape of the trees, dark against the moonlit sky. Nothing moved, and there was no sound, only the occasional hoot of a nearby owl. He could well be all alone in a world that held nothing but that owl, although presumably there must be some small creature about to meet his maker courtesy of the winged night creature that would swoop upon it. His stomach rumbled loudly, but he had to ignore it, for there was nothing in the dingy camper left to eat. Sighing, he flopped back onto his bunk and laid down, pulling the scruffy duvet over himself. Wide-eyed in the darkness, he wondered how long it would be before his mother came back or indeed, if she would be back. Every time she left him, he was never sure if he would see her again. 
He hated being there alone in the middle of nowhere with all, only the trees and an owl for company. However, he hated even more the times when she brought someone back with her and the smells of something obnoxious would invade his space. And often he had to lie in his bunk with his fingers in his ears, trying to ignore the noises and the swaying of the old pile of junk they called home. Then in the morning, he would awaken to comatose bodies sprawled obscenely on the double bed where his mother slept and would hasten to let himself out of the van and down to the stream until his mother shouted for him. He'd learned from bitter experience that it didn't do to hang around when she had a friend there, for he'd often received abuse and punches or worse from the said friend. He'd fallen asleep by the time the door was wrenched open and the feminine giggles seeped through his unconscious. The sound of a heel banging against the metal step and the slight movement of the van as someone tripped through the doorway jerked him fully awake. He sighed when he heard the deep tones of a male voice swearing as he must have stubbed his toe in the darkness, followed by his mother's giggles and the man's laughter as they fell onto the bed. Charlie peered through the chink when a dim light filtered through the crack and he saw the back of a man's head and heard his voice plainly say, Oof, I never expected this. Come here, you brazen woman. His mother giggled again as her bed creaked under the strain of two people and then there was silence as the boy watched them kissing. He laid down, stuffed the dew around his head and prepared for a sleepless night. Poor Charlie. That's, that's rather an emotive part of the book. That. It is, isn't it? It's quite yeah. disturbing, really. Yes. I had so many people say to me how they fell in love with Charlie. Yeah. Because yeah. after that, he runs away. I won't tell you what happens if you're going to read the rest of the book. Is, yeah. is that the way that the majority of your books start then, Jeanette, where you, you sort of get, because that's the second sort of thing where you've said, this is what I saw when I was out doing something or other, picture something, and then the story builds around that one little scene in your head. Some of the other books, um, like The Ghosts of Roseby Hall, have been inspired by a building. I'm an absolute sucker for ruins. Yeah. I love ruins. I think they're amazing, fascinating. The stories you can make up in your head Absolutely. of what's happened there in that history. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can weave some really magical stuff around ruins and old buildings. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I've got a trilogy that I wrote that was inspired by a wonderful castle in, in North Wales. I just get fascinated by all kinds of things, really. And, you know, who knows what I could be fascinated by next and build a story out of. <laughs> just I have the distinct impression I'm going to be reading more than just Jealousy is Murder of yours, Jeanette. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> like, other than people like me who relates to almost everything you've just said, <laughs> who would you see as your ideal reader? Well, my ideal reader would be somebody like you who says, I've read that book and I'm going to read all the others. <laughs> <laughs> because 
one of the things that I always make sure I, so I don't have any swearing in my box and I don't have any bedroom scenes. I, I don't think a good story needs that. I don't think so, no. I mean, okay, so you might know it's happened, but, you know, that's good enough. For me. You don't need the description. I mean, you, you can, you get a vivid image of what Charlie's mother is like. Oh, yeah. Without you going into detail of what she's doing or with who. Yeah. You don't need yeah. that part of it. You, you get an essence of the woman. That's right, yeah. Letting somebody use their own imagination to build the bigger picture while you're sowing the seeds and telling the story, I think that's a wonderful way to do it. What do you like to do when you're not writing? Do you actually have any time to do anything else? Oh, yes, yeah. I read all the time. I drive my husband nuts. I've always got my nose in a book. I've always been like that ever since I was a child. I couldn't read until I was eight, but as soon as I could read, I never had my nose out of a book. <laughs> um, but if I'm not reading, if I'm not writing and I'm not reading, I play the piano sometimes. Um, I do all kinds of craft work. I used to do a lot of dressmaking at one time, but I don't bother now. I'm feeling a distinctly creative theme with you, Jeanette. Everything you've mentioned has a creative flair to it. Yes, I suppose it does. Yeah, I do. I've always liked making things ever since I watched Blue Peter as a child. (laughs) (laughs) I used to watch Blue Peter, but that didn't mean to say I was very successful at making what what they tried to get us to make. There aren't many of the crafts that I can't do. And I can't draw to save my life. I mean, if you say that I'm... I'm crafty, but I'm not arty. <laughs> I think you do, you do so many things, though. You just seem to have a real creative flair, writing and creating all kinds of things. It makes your story writing richer. Do you use, like, people that you've met, or do you use, like, character or parts of characters from people that you've met and meld them into what you need for the story? I think sometimes I do. I don't necessarily do it on purpose, but I also, of course, put a lot of me in it. There's a lot of me in in all of my books. I've not committed murder, (laughs) I hasten to add. Yet. (laughs) And I've I've never been a a lady of the night and I've never taken drugs. (laughs) But there's a lot of me in it and and I do inadvertently put my parents in sometimes a couple of the books um have got real people in they've got cameo roles Mm. um there's two people in jealousy is murder that are real people they've got cameo roles and i usually find that they're thrilled yes you can put me in your book yes can i be a murderer (laughs) No. I'm gonna be a murderer. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I want to be a murderer. <laughs> you can put me in your book. I can be anything you want me to be. All right, bear that in mind. Usually, she's trouble with a big T. <laughs> oh dear. You are lovely to talk to, Jeanette. I have to say, it's absolutely fascinating. I could talk to you for hours. Maybe when the lockdown's over, we might actually be able to get together <laughs> in person. Absolutely, yes. That would be brilliant. Yeah, I've really, really enjoyed this interview. It's, it's been fascinating to find out a little bit about what makes you tick, Jeanette, and, and, what, and how these books and these ideas come. Well, we can't let her go yet. We need to know, for everyone else, <laughs> where we can find Jeanette, not just 
where we can find your books online, contact or a Facebook or Instagram or? I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page called Jeanette Taylor Ford, My Words, My Way. Oh, excellent. And of course, I do have an author page on Amazon. Excellent. Thanks, Jeanette, for that. Very enjoyable and an insight into how the book felt for you, uh, your meaning behind the uh, the characters of the plot. Characters of the book, Charlie, what can I say? Resourceful little guy and really echoing what Daisy has just said, a 12-year-old that wants to wash and put on clean clothes. That made me see his mother in a different light. Uh, and as more of the plot is revealed, you see how Molly fell into her way of life or was forced into her way of life. As I mentioned before, this is the fourth in a series of books. The characters, therefore, will be familiar to readers of the previous three books. However, you don't have to read the previous three books to enjoy this one. It holds its own as a standalone story. However, I do think there is maybe a bit of added value to have read them in order. There was a few references in the book to incidents in the previous three, which actually just made me do some research of the, the previous books so that I'd got a full picture. The story moved along at a nice pace, which was, for me, interesting and kept me reading to the point that I started this one Sunday morning and finished the book early that evening. It's the kind of book for a lazy weekend. It's easy reading, it's got a good plot, interesting characters, and it's written well. When we were talking to Jeanette, the absence of sex scenes and swearing in her book was something that she mentioned. And I must admit, a storyline like Jealousy to Murder doesn't suffer from the lack of this. The quirky thing I did find was a row of asterisks where a swear word should have been. This kept me entertained for about five minutes while I read the sentence and substituted the asterisks for every swear word I knew. It brought out the adolescent in me. I was able, about two-thirds of the way through the book, to piece together who the killer perhaps was. And I was pleased to say I was right about Molly. But along with D.I. Cook and D.S. Grant, I needed more information for the killer of Stephen. I love the way the historical crime was woven into the present-day plot and how this impacted on residents of the village. I will be reading more of Jeanette Taylor Ford's books, especially the previous three in the River View series. Even though I am an adult, I will also be reading the children's books, especially as part of the book is set not 50 yards from where I live. The final part of the book at first, I did think that this was a bit strange, but after chatting with Jeanette, I believe that this is the taster for the fifth book, and one I will definitely be reading. I'm not saying that I have a dilatory co-host, but there again I'm not saying that I don't have a dilatory co-host. She did start reading the wrong book for this episode, didn't she? <laughs> but as Providence would have it, the book that she started reading in Error, The Ghost of Roseby Hall, is actually timed to be released alongside this podcast so as soon as you have finished laughing at her I mean enjoying this episode then you can pop across to Amazon and you can have a look at that for yourself <laughs> apparently it's really really good <laughs> so says my co-host enjoy cannot remember so the last time I had quite so much fun just interviewing somebody wasn't it no, brilliant it, it was it was brilliant yeah it was brilliant absolutely um i can't believe that we talked for nearly two hours i mean i know we've chopped a lot of it out but it was so so interesting talking to jeanette yeah because um, it is editing hell <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was absolutely brilliant we'll do it again anytime yes yeah thanks ever so much jeanette that was that was really funny and <laughs> really interesting so 
who's going to entertain us next week then, Daisy? Well, funny we should be talking about Jeanette and how amusing and wonderful she was to talk to because next week we've got Dan Webber and we're reading his book, Genre Fluid. He is a very funny man. I have spoken to him previously and interviewed him for a radio show on another occasion, but he is so funny. So he's a stand-up poet, a reluctant beer, an attempted vegan, and he strips away the labels of life, love, the arts and the LGBTQ plus community. Can I just ask you, you've just said, what, what is he, is something vegan? Attempted vegan. How do you attempt to be a vegan? You either are or you're not. Well, he might attempt it and then he does, maybe he likes bacon too much. Or he puts milk in his coffee. Yeah, that's slightly less damaging. <laughs> maybe he likes a boiled egg. That, that, that's one of the questions I want to ask him. How do you attempt to be a vegan? <laughs> yeah, that could be an interesting answer, I think. He is mm, a very perhaps... funny man. In this fast-paced, honest and hilarious debut collection, Dan navigates through the confusing, confusing, Confucius say, <laughs> confusing world of definitions. And let's just face it, when faced with material as witty, earnest and well-observed as this, the last thing you should concern yourselves about is what box it goes in. Yeah, that, that's one of the things I'm sort of liking about doing this podcast is the fact that we don't have to put people in a box. Unless we really don't like them. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it's not the person we don't like, is it? It's the books we don't like or we do like, so... All right, we won't bury anybody in the garden. We're not going to, no. Not on season one. We'll see you next week, then. See you next week, then, with the absolute hilarious Dan Webber. Bye. If you want to be involved and read the books along with us, use us like a book club, share your views and opinions... Send either an audio clip in an MP3 format or an email or both because the audio clip will have to be attached to an email to contact us at barebooks.co.uk. If, on the other hand, you happen to be an author that has just finished your latest masterpiece and want that reviewed on a future episode of Bear Books podcast, then send it to us via email at submissions at barebooks.co.uk. And now that you've found us, why don't you subscribe? You'll find the podcast in all the usual places where you find all your podcasts. Share, share, share. Also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All this information will be in the show notes. We are April Berry and Daisy Ray from the Bear Books Podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye.